decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARM studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's good to have you with us. It's Friday. The weekend is upon us. Hope you have great plans for the weekend coming up. I hope those plans include going to church. If they don't, change those plans right now. Plan to attend church. You need to be there. You need to be under the regular teaching of the word. You need to be fellowshipping regularly with the saints. It is part of God's instruction to you, and it is part of his plan to sanctify you and to make you more and more into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ, which is the whole goal, is it not? All right. It is Friday the 13th. We don't care about that because we're not superstitious here on Squirrel Chatter, but it is worth noting that today is the 13th because yesterday was the 12th and tomorrow is the 14th, and that is the significance of 13. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast that is dedicated to scripture, history, current events, and whatever else it is that I want to talk about that day. And we webcast live at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And our podcast is available wherever you find your fine podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, we're there. Just search for Squirrel Chatter. You are sure to find us. And if you, if you subscribe, which I encourage you to do so, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a, a, a short review. Tell us what you like about the podcast. It helps get the word out. It helps us get found. Um, and, and we appreciate it very much. We, me and Darby the hamster and Mrs. Squirrel is in the other room. We appreciate it very much. Squirrel Chatter can also be found at the Christian Podcast Community, christianpodcastcommunity.com, where we are a proud member along with more than 50 other podcasts. It's a rapidly growing network of doctrinally sound podcasts, and we encourage you to check that out. Now, it's Friday. That means it's Federalist Friday, and we're going to continue our look through the Federalist Papers. Um... Again, what we're doing on Fridays, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a crash civics course where we're going to be looking at the governing, the founding documents of our nation. We have read through the Declaration of Independence. We have read through the Constitution. And now we are reading through the Federalist Papers. When we are done with the Federalist Papers, we are going to go back excuse me, through the Constitution, and we are going to discuss what it says in light of what we have learned from the Federalist Papers. So that is the plan, and the, the reason we're doing this is because modern civics education is woefully inadequate. These things are not taught in our schools anymore, and they need to be. And so we're going to teach them here on Squirrel Chatter. So that is our plan. Um, and without further ado, we will begin, as is our practice, with the Prayer of Confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. 
Almighty and most merciful Father. We have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Now, because it's Federalist Friday, and we're, we're not doing a topic of theology today, um, on Federalist Fridays and on Monday Meanderings, which are our two non-theological days, um, it is my intent to read from John MacArthur's daily readings from the life of Christ, beginning in volume one. There are three volumes. Each of them has 365 devotionals in it. So there are three years of devotionals if you do it every day. We're going to do them twice a week. <laughs> so we're going to start. This is actually the, the January 1st reading in Volume 1. I won't give the date of the readings, but we're going to go through them in the order they are in the devotional. And uh, just to give us a little bit of something to think about today, um, since we're not dealing with a theological topic, and no, I won't explain this every time. I'm <laughs> just explaining it now because it's the first time we've done this. So this is John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, Volume 1, published by Moody Publishers. This devotion is entitled, Jesus' Public Baptism. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, Matthew 3, 13a. There is something majestic about Jesus' baptism that brought all the previous events of his earthly life into focus. Here he came fully onto the stage of the gospel story, and his work in ministry truly began. Following an eternity passed in heaven and thirty years of obscurity in Nazareth, God presented the Savior publicly to the world. John the Baptist, as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, had heralded the coming of the Messiah. This is in... Matthew 3, 3, and Isaiah 40, verse 3. And now he was fully and publicly prepared to begin the fulfillment of his earthly ministry. A parallel passage in Luke tells us that this was no private or secluded ceremony. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized, Luke 3, 21. The word translated arrived in Matthew 3.13 often indicated an official arrival or public appearance by a dignitary. From now on, Jesus would be in the public eye and call no place his permanent earthly home. This important episode from the beginning of Christ's ministry clearly shows us that Jesus, though knowing what a high degree of visibility would ultimately cost him, obediently stepped from the comfort of obscurity into the high-risk position of a public figure. Obediently, I think I said immediately, obediently stepped from the comfort of obscurity into the high-risk position of a public figure. His work would invite strong opinion, 
But in order to accomplish the Father's will, it must take place in full view of the world. It must come at the cost of being wild, widely observed. And then there are uh, application questions. Ask yourself, we are called to be salt and light, not merely to enjoy God's seasoning and illumination in our own lives, but to be his conveyors of grace to others. How does this public calling alter the way you express and live your Christianity? Pray that you will live not in fear, but in faith. So that is John MacArthur, Daily Readings in the Life of Jesus Christ. Uh, Daily Readings in the Life, Daily Readings from the Life of Christ, Volume 1. I'll have the title memorized before too long. All right, it's Federalist Friday. Today we are looking at Federalist number 13. The title of this Federalist paper is Advantage of the Union in Respect to Economy and Government. Just to remind you that these were articles written in support of the ratification of the Constitution that were published in newspapers to urge the states to ratify the Constitution. So this is Federalist number 13. It was written for the Independent Journal by Alexander Hamilton. And again, this is Advantage of the Union in Respect to Economy and Government. To the people of the state of New York. Now, these were addressed to every state, but this was published in New York, which is why it begins with that salutation. To the people of the state of New York, as connected with the subject of revenue, we may with propriety consider that of economy. The money saved from one object may be usefully applied to another, and there will be so much the less to be drawn from the pockets of the people. If the states are united under one government, there will be but one national civil list to support. If they are divided into several confederacies, there will be as many different national civil lists to be provided for, and each of them, as to the principal departments, coextensive with that which would be necessary for a government of the whole. The entire separation of the states into 13 unconnected sovereignties is a project too extravagant and too replete with danger to have many advocates. The ideas of men who speculate upon the dismemberment of the empire seem generally turned toward three confederacies, one consisting of the four northern, another of the four middle, and a third of the five southern states. There is little probability that there would be a greater number. According to this distribution, each confederacy would comprise an extent of territory larger than that of the Kingdom of Great Britain. No well-informed man will suppose that the affairs of such a confederacy can be properly regulated by a government less comprehensive in its organs or institutions than that which has been proposed by the convention. When the dimensions of a state attain to a certain magnitude, it requires the same energy of government and the same form of administration which are requisite in one of much greater extent. This idea admits not a precise demonstration, because there is no rule by which we can measure the momentum of civil power necessary to the government of any given number of individuals. 
But when we consider that the island of Britain, nearly commensurate with each of the supposed confederacies, contains about eight millions of people, and when we reflect upon the degree of authority required to direct the passions of so large a society to the public good, we shall see no reason to doubt that the like portion of power would be sufficient to perform the same tasks in a society far more numerous. Civil power, properly organized and exerted, is capable of diffusing its force to a very great extent and can, in a manner, reproduce itself in every part of a great empire by a judicious arrangement of subordinate institutions. The supposition that each confederacy into which the states would be likely to be divided would require a government not less comprehensive than the one proposed will be strengthened by other, another supposition, more probable than that which presents us with three confederacies as the alternative to a general union. If we attend carefully to geographical and commercial considerations in conjunction with the habits and prejudices of the different states, we shall be led to conclude that in case of disunion, they will most naturally league themselves under two governments. The four eastern states, from all the causes that form the links of national sympathy and connection, may with certainty be expected to unite. New York, situated as she is, would never be unwise enough to oppose a feeble and unsupported flank to the weight of that confederacy. There are other obvious reasons that would facilitate her ascension to it. New Jersey is too small a state to think of being a frontier, in opposition to this still more powerful combination. Nor do there appear to be any obstacles to her admission into it. Even Pennsylvania would have a strong inducement to join the, National, the Northern League. An active foreign commerce on the basis of her own navigation is her true policy and coincides with the opinions and dispositions of her citizens. The more southern states, from various circumstances, may not think themselves much interested in the encouragement of navigation. They may prefer a system which would give unlimited scope to all nations to be the carriers as well as the purchasers of their commodities. Pennsylvania may not choose to confound her interests in a connection so adverse to her policy. As she must, at all events, be a frontier, she may deem it most consistent with her safety to have her exposed side turn towards the weaker power of the southern rather than towards the stronger power of the northern confederacy. This would give her the fairest chance to avoid being the Flanders of America. Whatever may be the, term, the determination of Pennsylvania, if the northern confederacy includes New Jersey, there is no likelihood of more than one confederacy to the south of that state. Nothing can be more evident than that the 13 states will be able to support a national government better than one-half or one-third or any number less than the whole. This reflection must have great weight in, in obviating that objection to the proposed plan, which is founded on the principle of expense, an objection, however, which, when we come to take a nearer view of it, will appear in every light to stand on mistaken ground. If, in addition to the consideration of a plurality of civil lists, we take into view the number of persons who must necessarily be employed to guard the inland communications between the different confederacies against illicit trade, and who, in time, will infallibly spring up out of the necessities of revenue, and if we also take into view the military establishments, 
which it has been shown would unavoidably result from the jealousies and conflicts of the several nations into which the states would be divided. We shall clearly discover that a separation would, not, would, not, would be not less injurious to the economy than to the tranquility, commerce, revenue, and liberty of every part. Publius. All right. Well, short episode today after a very long episode yesterday. Um, I'm going to save several topics I have for discussion for Monday meandering. Um, I've got all the discussions that have been saved up from the break and the events of last week and the events of this week. So yes, we will talk, be talking about 15 votes for speaker. We'll be talking about uh, classified documents in your Corvette and everything else that has been happening in the world since before Christmas. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. That will be Monday after the weekend. Um, hope you have a great weekend. Make sure you go to church. You don't want to miss fellowshipping with the saints and sitting under the teaching of the word. So just a reminder, we got Monday meanderings on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy uh, starting in the middle of chapter 1 as we continue to work our way through Deuteronomy. Thursday's Theology Thursday, Friday's Federalist Friday. It's all coming up next week after the weekend, after we all go to church. So folks, have a great weekend. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here on Monday for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.